Demacia is built on a lie. All these noble ideals and promises of a brighter future, they were never meant for us. For too long have we mages had to hide in the shadows, and it has cost us everything. Welcome to League of Lore, a podcast about the lore of League of Legends and other properties set in the Runeterran universe. I'm your host Jacob, or Skullhead Soldiers, and let's begin. Now, today we're going to be talking about the leader of the Major Rebellion and probably one of the most important characters in recent Demacian history, and that is Silas of Dragborn. Silas is a fascinating character. And it all goes back to his origins. See, he was originally a member of the Mage Seekers. Yes, the same group of people that hunt his fellow mages. But at the time, he was what would be called a loyal Demacian. He used his gift, which at the time was just being able to see magic, to point out other mages and turn them into the Mage Seekers. Now, um, in his time amongst the Mage Seekers, he kind of had a mixed bag of relationships. His mentors seemed to be mostly okay. He seemed to treat him with at least a modicum of respect, despite him being a mage. But one of his other handlers was not so kind. He was much more, show me the mage, just get it over with, just tell me who it is, stop wasting my time. And he did not like Silas because he was a mage. It didn't matter that Silas could see magic and able and was able to help them, and was not really fighting back against that, he didn't care. Like, he was a mage, therefore he was a problem. Now, for a long time, Silas just kept helping out these mage seekers up until around the age of 15. Around this time, he started having doubts about what he was doing uh, to his fellow mages, because, I mean, they were all the same. They were all magical people, and he was beginning to feel pretty bad about this. Well, one time, they go to the small little farmhouse where um, his mentor at this point has passed, and he now is just with his handler. And this handler's just like, we know there's a mage here, just, point, just say that person's a mage, and we'll get this over with. And the father of the house comes out, and he's like, hey, we don't have any mages here, just, we're all good, please don't do anything. And at the same time, his daughter comes out immediately Silas can tell she is a mage. In fact, she might be one of the most powerful mages she has ever seen. Her magic is just gorgeous. It is beautiful, but also frightening to behold how powerful she could be. And she, he says there's no mage here. He decides to keep his mouth shut. The handler, however, is just like, nah, I'm going to check anyways, much to the father's protests. And it's at this point that Silas freaks out because he does not want her to get hurt. And so he goes to potentially protect her. But in the process, as he touches her, because he has never touched any of the mage before, he realizes the true depths of his gift, which is the ability to temporarily steal magic from other mages and use it as his own. And the moment he touches her, he is filled with her powerful magic and it overwhelms him. And in an instant, she's dead, 
her father's dead, and the most important one, at least for Silas, his handler is now dead. This sends ripples throughout the throughout Demacia's Mage Seeker population. Like it sends ripples outwards. Uh, someone that they thought they could rely on to help find mages and is actually a mage has turned against them, so they go out and hunt him down. Eventually, they capture him despite his best attempts to flee, and they imprison him for life, seemingly just and even call him the most dangerous mage in all of Demacia. Even though, in terms of actual crimes, he killed three people on accident. Because, and he's also, he was only 15. He was a, still a teenager. He was, he was nowhere even near to being an adult. And, like I said, it was a complete accident. And still, so he gets life imprisonment. And not only does he get life imprisonment, he gets imprisoned in the deepest, darkest, most isolated cell in all of Demacia. And like I said, he just gets scapegoated completely into be called the most dangerous mage in all of Demacia. And therefore, he's used as a fear-mongering tactic by the Mage Seeker, saying like, Hey, remember Silas of Dregborn? He's so scary, he killed three people. And he's and maybe even said that he's able to steal magic. That's a bit unclear. What is important to know is that they just took this one instance of self-defense, of trying to protect someone, and twisted it into him being a mass-murdering psychopath. Well, Silas didn't really like this, and as years and years and years went on, he his hatred for Demacia, but specifically Demacia nobles, just kept just went up and up and up. Because it was really the nobles and the mage seekers and the powerful that put him into this position. And he and his hatred for him just grew and grew and grew. Until eventually he met Lux during the events of the Mage Rebellion comic. And he was able to escape by stealing Lux's magic after she briefly, um, after she goes up to help him as he's about to get executed, she touches him, he steals her magic and escapes, goes to try to kill the king, king's already dead, so he'd say he tries to kill Jarvan IV, Lux stops him, and there's a, and the whole shebang about that, and now Silas has escaped. Well... After the events of the Mage Rebellion, Silas is out in the outskirts of Demacia, essentially. He's trying to gather up forces and killing nobles wherever he can. And is it this process he starts recruiting people? Uh, his recruiting method seems pretty cruel, almost. Uh, he basically forces, uh, no matter what the age of the fellow mages, to kill a noble to be truly considered part of the rebellion. Because in his mind, it's not so much... Part of it is, and a big part of it is, freedom for all mages. That is a big part of his goal. But also, he wants to punish the nobility of Damasi and rip it down. He wants to kill all the nobles. Think the French Revolution. Kill all the nobles, no matter if they were involved in the atrocities or not. Kill them all. Now, it does seem that he generally focuses on anti-mage nobles. So it's a bit unclear if he ever focuses on non-anti-mage nobles. But the point is that he's forcing everyone in his rebellion to kill these nobles to prove their worth and prove that they are in it to win it, essentially, in his mind. Now, after a while of building up his forces in Demacia and really stoking the fires of this rebellion, he decides that he needs more help. That to topple the entirety of the nobility of Demacia, it's going to take more than just some rogue mages. So he decides to go up north into the Freljord to try and recruit help from the local tribes there. Specifically, he's searching for the Winter's Claw, because the Winter's Claw are well known for coming down south 
into the Masi, or trying to anyways, and raiding. So he goes up there to try to get their help. Well, in the process, he kind of underestimates just how freaking cold the Freljord is. Um, like, he dresses up warm, but even with all the warm clothing he tries to wear and be ready, he's not ready. In fact, all the mages that travel with him up there, they all die. Because the Freljord is no joke. It is one of the craziest, most hostile environments in all of Runeterra. And he decides to just go there even uh, underprepared, thinking he was prepared. Eventually, he does run across a, a group of Winter's Claw members. Specifically, he runs across someone who is uh, supposedly blessed by the gods of the Freljord. Um, which basically means that she is immune to the detrimental effects of the frost and cold in the Freljord. And she has ice magic herself. Well, she goes to help him, thinking that, he, that there's something about him that speaks to her. And yeah, she he takes her magic as he touches as she touches him, and uses it to make himself immune to the frost and cold. After a bit of a skirmish with a member of the of the little uh, raiding party, um, he's eventually able to earn their trust when a word from the same priestess who says, "Hey, he's a sign from the gods." And a few other things because uh, he can't communicate with them because they speak different languages, but she can speak his language. Is a whole thing. After some discussion, they basically come to a understanding and a deal. If Silas gives the Winter's Claw intimate knowledge of all the back routes into Demacia through the mountains that divide Demacia from the Greater Freljord, then they will help him o overthrow the nobility in Demacia. Basically, it's like, hey, I will give you free access to raid and pillage as much as you want if you help me take down the people I hate. And they agree after some back and forth. So now Silas, in the current state of Demacia, has an entire army of not just rebel mages, but now he has the backing of the Winter's Claw, one of the most aggressive and dangerous tribes in all of the Freljord. This is the same tribe that's led by a, a Sejuani, uh, and they have a big thing about strength, power, and raiding. They're basically the traditional Freljordian way, as they believe it. And they're all about that raiding and pillaging. And so now he has that force backing him. And it's just crazy to think about. Uh, now we do get a uh, an, a CGI animated uh, short that was more of a season opener for each year of League of Legends. They have like a season opener, a little animation. And this time around, it was actually... All the events in the season opener are canon. Traditionally, they're not, but this time they are fully canon. And in it, we see Silas leading a band of of Winter's Claw warriors uh, attacking a Damasian fort near the border of the Freljord and Damasia. And they assault it full kilter and have a big fight going on. Lux is there, Garen is there, Silas is kicking butt. It's all sorts of stuff. Eventually, Lux calls in Gallio for help. And the, and the Winter's Claw and Silas have to back off. But this shows that he really does have the backing of the Winter's Claw. This proves that he is making his moves now. Now with the events of the Ruination, we're not sure where Silas and the Winter's Claw stand now. Or even the state of Damascus as a whole, because they get really impacted by the Ruination event, who we'll talk about later. But all we do know is that this is where Silas stands now. He has the Winter's Claw backing him. He has this massive army of rebel mages that are just continuing to grow and grow. 
it's it's anyone's guess of what's going to happen once he truly makes his move on Demacia as a whole. Now we're going to go into Silas as a character and analyze like what he represents uh, and his themes. But before we do that, we're going to go into a quick break. Hello, gentle listener. Every Friday, be sure to tune in. What to, the uh, hell are you oh, doing, Ampersand? Oh. <laughs> Hi, Charlie. I'm sorry I broke in. And I thought I was the only one to talk to myself. Well, I'm letting everyone know about the Fumbling Four and the Almighty Crit. Woo-hoo! It's a 5e live play podcast. Join us every week. Where do we find it, yo, crusty coot? Uh, anywhere you can get all your podcasts. Woo-hoo! You'll find it every Friday, you stupid cat. If you want to help spread the show or simply get more content, you can follow the official Twitter at League of Lore 2 for updates on the podcast and other lore tidbits, as well as rate or follow the podcast on your podcatcher of choice. You can also follow my Twitch account, twitch.tv soldiers, where I stream myself playing League of Legends and other games and discuss the lore and gameplay of those properties. And it's just thanks to people like you that show that the show continues to grow and it drives me forward into continuing wanting to do this show. Despite technical issues or real life stuff, sometimes getting in the way of recording, I just really appreciate you guys just being patient and helping me just drive forward and continue wanting to produce this show, no matter what comes in my way. And I just thank you all for that. We are now well over a thousand downloads on the show, and I just thank you. Just thank you all for all the love and support of listening to the show and downloading the episodes. I appreciate it so, so much. And I just wanted to let you all know that. So thank you. And with that, let's get back to the show. Now, Silas, as I kind of briefly talked about during the Major Rebellion comic, is a complicated character, and he has some problematic aspects to him as a representation of a civil rights leader or civil rights character. Because before now, in Demacia... We've kind of been getting this buildup of how majors are treated in Demacia is not great. Uh, we sort of got this with Lux and some of her stories and a few other details. And so when we get Silas, we're thinking, okay, so this is someone that says that's an, enough is enough. We're going to fight back and protect ourselves from the horrendous atrocities being done to us by Demacia, but specifically the Mage Seekers and the Demacia Nobles. However, they very specifically make it seem like Silas is out for vengeance. Um, there are several times in the short stories where Silas is like asking his fellow mages, like, hey, what should we do with, to this noble? And the mages all say, kill him, basically. And he's like, okay, the people have spoken, let's kill him. But how it's phrased and how he speaks to them, it really does feel like he's just riling up their hate and the fire of hatred inside his fellow mages and then just directing it at a target and saying, hey, should we kill this guy? Yeah, let's kill him, F the nobles, ah! And... They do, and they're killed. And it's hard to say, like, how much of this is Silas really wanting freedom and justice for his fellow mages. It seems to be a core goal of his. But a lot of it does seem to be a true hatred and wanting a vengeance against the greater nobility of Demacia. Now, do the nobles and the matriarchs probably deserve some of the stuff they're getting? That's a bit of her interpretation, but probably a little bit. They have done some awful atrocities to the mages, essentially performing a a form of 
of genocide against them, essentially. I know it's a really heavy term, but that's basically what was happening to them. Especially after the major rebellion events itself, it's really bad for mages right now. They're being killed by the score, being stripped of their magic, being banished. It is really awful. And so it's kind of like, is what Sans doing too far when they're against up that? When they're against up being killed for just who they are or stripped of what makes them who they are or banished for just who they are? It It's kind of hard to say, like, how... How far is too far? Now, the reason, like I've, I've said in the past, Silas being a little problematic is because he's essentially the sole representation we have of a made civil rights movement in Demacia. And because he's so violent and kind of vengeance-filled and how he's characterized, it, it could send the wrong message about civil rights movements, essentially. Where some civil rights movements are fueled by deep anger at what's been done to them they're not necessarily about vengeance usually just they're about justice and about rights and about freedom and stuff like that but they're making silas much more about a a anger-filled possible despot in making essentially where he's riling up the people behind him and if he points at something the people will follow it it, it feels kind of worrisome essentially in how they're characterizing him that does not mean to say that there haven't been uh, people like that in actual history. It just means when that's a sole representation of a civil rights movement in your work, it's it's it could send the wrong message. And so I'm hoping that Riot might adjust this over time or will give other representations of civil rights movements in Demacia especially that are a little less violent and maybe more about peaceful protests or something like that. Something to show that it's not all about vengeance and hatred. That's because... Right now, that's what there feels like they're saying that that's what civil rights movements tend to be, which is not true. It's just a whole thing. But like I said, Sizes' actions still could be argued to be justified. So even if there weren't a broader thematic prob- problems with this current representation, I, it's hard to argue that what he's doing is necessarily too far. As far as we know, he's never done anything against innocence. He's never attacked people who weren't involved in some way with the suppression of mages. Now, he has killed, like, um, sir, uh, I think he has killed, like, some servants and some uh, guards for a noble before in one of the short stories that did happen. And he argued that because they said nothing, they were equally as guilty, which that's not so great because some of those people probably didn't have much of a say at all and they couldn't really do anything about it. Like, the point of, like, someone turning their eye away from injustice and not doing something that is wrong and you should do something to see injustice but it's one of the situations where these are also people who don't have a lot of power so what could they really feasibly do and you don't really know them know them very well either so many people could have been doing small things to try to help out so it's a bit unclear and it just shows more gray into this which is not necessarily bad but it just makes silas's whole situation more and more complex and this is more interesting in some ways, but also potentially more problematic, depending on how the story continues to grow. Now, here's where it gets real down nitty-gritty into it, is Silas as a representation of a civil rights leader and a revolutionary is, like I kind of said, he is a representation of a civil rights movement, like I've been saying for a while now, and but also revolutionary. Like, this is someone who's leading a revolution, essentially. 
So, and one can say that revolutions are never clean. Their blood is spilled in a revolution. And that's what's occurring in the story. So as a representation of a revolutionary leader who has some dark baggage going on, he kind of works. But it's also one of those things where uh, phrasing or showing uh, the leader of a revolution as being someone fueled by only vengeance and potentially a little power-hungry. Uh, obviously, that's up to interpretation in the text, but there seems to be some inclinations that his phrasing of, hey, what do you all fellow mages want, feels less like, hey, what do you actually want, and more like, hey, I know what you want, I know how much hatred you have that I have stoked over, over all these months, but I'm going to ask you anyways to make you guys feel like you still have power in the situation, and that's your choice to continue killing mages. And this sounds like he's radicalizing this growing army of rebel mages more and more and more as time goes on, as he makes them want to do and even incentivizes them to do more and more violent things against the people in power. Which, like I said, up to up to interpretation if how much of that is warranted. The point is, Salas as a character is very complex and very fascinating, and I actually really do like Silas as a character. It's just that right now, due to his position as the sole representation of mage civil rights in Demacia, he can be seen as problematic, and I just hope that maybe we get another rep representative, like maybe Lux starts developing into this other form of mage civil rights in uh, movements in Demacia, or that we see more that what Silas is doing is necessary because otherwise the mages would just be straight up killed. So it's like a necessary uh, viol like violence against violence, essentially. Like, they have to defend themselves or they have to fight back because otherwise they'll be all killed. So it's like one of those things where maybe tone down the egomania with Silas a little bit. It just feels like they're building a little too much into that right now with the current state of the Major Rebellion. Or if you're going to go that direction, allow another option for uh, mage civil rights in the Masi, that's not so, um, this is about my hatred and more about this is the collective um, good of the mages that I'm, ca I'm caring about. Where Silas feels like, yeah, I care about my fellow mages, I want them to all be free. But it's also about me getting even with the Masia. So we'll just have to wait and see how the story develops over time. And I really want to see more, and I really want to see more of Silas especially. And especially I would love to see Silas and Lux interact again. Well, with all of that, I just want to say that Silas is just a fascinating character, and while he does have his problems as a representation of rebellion against an oppressor, I do think he's one of the greatest additions to Demacia and its overall story. I really, truly believe that, and I really want more characters like this in the various regions of Runeterra. Now, if you have any questions or thoughts, please send them in your reviews on your podcatcher of choice or to loreofrunterra at gmail.com. You can also now send them through the Discord channel, League of Lore, on the Robots Radio Network Discord, and they'll be answered next episode. Now, for a little bit of a surprise, normally the next episode would be about Luxana Crown Guard, that was the original plan, but with the launch of Arcane on November 3rd, we're going to change up the show a bit. We are going to instead be covering each batch of episodes that are going to be released throughout this month for the next three or so episodes of the show. Maybe four. We'll see how many episodes I need to talk about Arcane. 
And also, we're maybe going to have a guest co-host. We're still figuring things out on that end. And if we do, we do. If we don't, we don't. But the point is, I cannot wait to talk about Arcane. I'm going to have so much to say about it. We're going to go over Jinx and Vi and their whole new history that we're getting from them. It's going to be great. We're going to get Victor and Chase and Heimerdinger and, a, and maybe even Echo. There's so many characters to cover in this new show. And I can't wait to talk about all that we learned about them in the show. And also all the cool themes and stuff going on in Arcane. So until then, I'll see you all next time.